1: To the Bama Online Podcast. This is a late night edition of the BOL Pod. Saturday night. That's right. Late night with BOL. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by Team Beat reporter, Mr. Charlie Potter. And, Charlie, let's get into it. Scrimmage number two, the final scrimmage of the 2021. Preseason for the Alabama Crimson Tide is in the books I guess there was some concern about weather You'd always worry about the potential for thundershowers, precipitation, lightning, things like that But Alabama was able to get it in Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium Warm, challenging conditions once again And typically when we talk about these scrimmages or practices in general really Availability, the first thing that comes to mind And also injuries coming out of the scrimmage and i guess there were a few newsy items going into the scrimmage from an availability standpoint but coming out no news good news where at least significant injuries were concerned yeah i mean that's always uh, i think
0: alabama fans kind of hold their breath and and hope that nobody gets hurt i mean we've we've seen guys who get banged up in scrimmages before uh but it sounds like they were able to escape this one and really the the uh, the bulk of their their big time practices this preseason without any significant injuries and um, you know there were some guys that that didn't go some guys that we expected we heard earlier in the week that uh, DeMarco Hellams is on the shelf like Kendall Randolph both of those guys have uh, sprained ankles and uh, you know, both of those guys are, are really starters and so they were going to be without two one on each side of the ball but then you know Nick Saban said they held uh, and Neil Ekior out so that's two starters on the offensive line that kind of is a replication of what we saw last weekend because uh evan neal and, and chris owens didn't practice in the first scrimmage so again the offensive line a little bit depleted uh, i'm not sure if a, a couple of the backups were able to go guys like darian dalcourt and And Damian George, um, you know, Nick Saban said that Shane Lee didn't scrimmage. I don't think uh, Christopher Allen scrimmaged. So a couple of linebackers, both first and second uh, teamers. So, you
1: know,
0: I think there was a a good amount of guys that either didn't go or, um, you know, they just maybe took it easy with them. But it's you know, (laughs) I saw somebody joke on on the message board. And today there's there's a ton of preseason games. I think there's ten on today and. Really, I mean, maybe there's 11 with Alabama scrimmage <laughs> as second and the final one of the preseason. And just like those preseason games for NFL teams, you know, they choose to to hold guys out. If, if there's a guy that's probably dealing with maybe a minor bump or bruise, then there's no point in, in pushing it. Especially some of these veteran guys who they they know what they've got in him. Like Evan Neal last week. You knew Evan Neal going to be a starter on the offensive line. You hold him out. Uh, Chris Allen, if there's something going on with him uh, especially, you know, minor. You don't want to push it because he's going to be a big part of this defense. So, uh, again, the 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 good news is, you know, Nick Saban made it a point to say there were no significant injuries, and that's really all that you ever hope for.
1: Interesting comments on multiple fronts from Nick Saban, and that's really what we're going to do on the podcast: sort of go through Nick's post-scrimmage remarks and highlight some of those comments and. Get into some of how they related to not only position battles that we knew were very much in play, but perhaps some comments that suggested that an area or two that we thought might be pretty well nailed down, maybe not so much. So we'll do that. We do have the BOL scrimmage nuggets up for you right now. That's VIP information. Uh, at BamaOnline.com So you're definitely going to want to check that out But in terms of Saban's post-scrimmage comments um, you know, I don't think it was a surprise To really hear him talking about The competition is pretty much ongoing At right tackle But he threw center in there too On Saturday afternoon Charlie, did that catch you a little bit by surprise? It did, yeah,
0: um, yeah I was sitting there and, and live tweeting And, and posting on the, the board I always do that for savings press conferences and yeah like you said to I me, mean, we we know that that right tackle was up for grabs and you know going back to really sec media days we felt left tackle through right guard was pretty much set and there's always going to be competition you know th- that's going to be something he's going to continue to say and him starting off that quote by talking about there's competition at several positions that's you know par for the course but then yeah to to talk about right tackle and to throw in center, it was a little interesting. And, you know, again, like I said, um, you know, Darian Dowcourt, I don't think he, he scrimmaged uh, today. And I I think he's probably the main challenger there for Chris Owens. But, um, you know, Chris Owens is a guy that he can play center. He can play right tackle. You know, we saw him do both of those kind of in a pinch last season when Evan Neal went down, he stepped in and started uh, at right tackle against Arkansas. And then, of course, when Landon Dickerson got hurt in the SEC championship game, he was the starting center for the, the two college football playoff contests. And so with Owens choosing to come back as a super senior, this will be his sixth season at Alabama, um, you think that that was something the, the coaches wanted to happen. They have a veteran presence uh, up front at the center position. But it, it does sound like you know, that's not exactly settled. Uh, you know, We haven't heard much about um, – you know, left tackle and right guard and, you know, expectedly so because Nick Sable went on to talk about how Evan Neal and Emilio Ecu are both good. Those are his words were both good and uh, they're returning starters. And then he hasn't really said much about left guard where Javian Cohen's been playing and and he's pretty consistently worked with the first group as well. So it was uh, very intriguing to hear him say center. And that'll be something that we watch after um, or in the, the practices to come and they have some practices next week, I think six before the first game week gets here and maybe see if there's any shuffling on that offensive line. And if there's a change at center.
1: Yeah. Never over until it's over in terms of trying to identify that first five, that best five for the Alabama offensive line. And look, we don't know exactly. We have an idea of maybe who was available defensively and who wasn't. Uh, But understanding that lack of complete context, it did sound like based on Saban's comments, pretty good day for the offense quarterbacks had some success, uh, maybe a takeaway or so for each of those guys where the defense was concerned, but all in all reason for optimism, I guess for the offense. And again, that may have had something to do also with who really saw the field a lot for that Alabama defense in the practice. Yeah, I mean, I think there were some guys that,
0: like I said, either didn't play or um, maybe didn't play as much as you would expect. And, you know, offensively, um, it sounds like Nick Saban was pleased with the overall product more so than in scrimmage one. Um, You know, I asked about the quarterbacks. I feel like uh, it's not a a scrimmage recap without figuring out what Nick Saban thinks about the quarterback play. And, um, you know, after the first scrimmage, he was high on Bryce Young, as he has been, and praised him and the the job he did but he said he needed to see guys step up around him the offense needed to play better around him and he said that was the case this week and i think that's one of the reasons for the uh in his opening he called it a significant amount of improvement from scrimmage one to scrimmage two and um you know he had a lot of good things to say about jamison williams that's a guy offensively that i've probably heard the most about uh, this offseason just in terms of coming in and, and standing out on a consistent basis and um you know that that goes to show that you know the receiver position like we're talking about with the offensive line is starting to come together a little bit um you know jamison williams i think if they played tomorrow would start uh you'd be in the starting lineup and so um you know the quarterbacks did a good job you know bryce young threw a couple of touchdown passes uh paul tyson threw one as well they did you know cough the ball up but this defense has been we've talked about it all preseason long they're they're kind of ahead of the curve but i think the running backs did some good things i know brian robinson and, and roydell williams scored a touchdown a piece it sounds like trey sanders and uh, jace mcclellan had good days so uh, i think given that you had another scrimmage where some offensive linemen were missing and again you have jaleel billingsley you know down in the pecking order not playing with the first group um it, it sounds like the first team offense did a nice job and you know, for the most part, uh, a lot of the time on, on Saturday, they played against the second-team defense, but they were pitted against the ones a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, I think the offense is still maybe a work in progress, and that's maybe more so up front on the offensive line and, and maybe at the receiver position. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you saw that steady improvement that you wanted to see from week one to week two or scrimmage one to scrimmage two that is always important for that coaching staff
1: you think Jojo Earl is a top four, top five guy in the rotation right now, the true freshman at wide receiver?
0: I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, you know, Mechie and Bolden are really the constants, um, on offense, at least at the receiver position. And then Jamison Williams is, you know, since he stepped on campus, he's done a nice job. And and Nick Saban today, um, you know, he, he was asked about John Mechie and how he compliments Slade Bolden, which was kind of a weird question, but, um, before he even mentioned either of those guys, he, he said Jamison Williams is a guy that's really made a big impact in camp. And um, I, I think that that's maybe your three, but beyond that, it, it's up for grabs. I think Javon Baker is someone that could be in the mix. Treshawn Holden as well. But if you're talking about one of those newcomers, you know JoJo Earl has really come on here of late. I think at the very least he could be a guy that's going to be the punt returner. I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like he was the primary guy there. In that second scrimmage, and he's someone that Nick Saban named along with you know Slade Bolden and Ja'Cory Brooks. But um, you know, you look at that second unit and guys that probably mix in and out with the ones. It was you know JoJo Earl, Trayshawn Holden, uh, Javon Baker, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Tayo Jones Bell. So I, I think there's still some competition when we're talking about those position battles. I think there's some guys jockeying for position, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, JoJo Earl is someone that Nick Saban is starting to mention by name, and he's not naming a lot of other receivers. It's the guys you expect, and then there's JoJo Earl. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a possibility to be maybe that first guy off the bench or at least, you know, a young guy that makes an early impact.
1: Two starters out for Saturday scrimmage at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Kendall Randolph on the offensive side of the ball at the right tackle position. DeMarco Ellums, obviously, also sidelined at safety on the defensive side of the ball who are we guessing or thinking or hearing were the primary beneficiaries of those guys absences on saturday i know we have talked a lot about jc latham maybe brian branch on defense what exactly do we know coming out of the second scrimmage as far as next guys up maybe at those spots
0: yeah, it was those guys. Um, you know, J.C. Latham has been kind of consistently there with the twos behind Kendall Randolph before he got injured last week. And then, you know, whenever uh, he was out and he looks to still be out, it's been Latham there with the, the second team. And, you know, like we, we've talked about before, I mean, the, the window's open for J.C. Latham to come in and, and seize that job. And if he can do that and they feel comfortable with that and they can still have Kendall Randolph when he comes back and be that – Six linemen, that pseudo tight end. I think that makes the offensive line better. So uh, these are very uh, advantageous and beneficial moments for J.C. Latham. Uh, again, I, I don't think that, that Damian George was was available uh, today in the scrimmage. So it, it, he's a guy that's probably getting the majority of those first-team reps. So it's not all of them. And so um, that'll be something I think to watch moving forward, just to see when Kendall Randolph comes back, if if he's just you know put right back with the ones or if JC Latham does enough to maybe get a longer look and, and maybe continue that competition. I think that'll be really uh, fascinating to see how that plays out. And, and Brian Branch is someone um, it, just like Jamison Williams. He's the guy on the defensive side of the ball that uh, you continue to hear nothing but good things about, um, at least from a maybe not expected like, of course, Will Anderson is someone that is going to make a lot of noise. Everybody I talked to, uh, the first thing they mentioned from the scrimmage was Will Anderson. But Brian Branch, uh, maybe from a, a guy that doesn't get talked about enough perspective, he's someone that's had a really good camp. And uh, yeah, he was with, um, or he was opposite Jordan Battle with the Ones. I think he had a pretty big collision with Jace McClellan. Uh, that was another thing that a lot of people that went to the scrimmage talked about. And um, I think it, it looked like he got banged up a little bit but again we've talked about it Nick Saban said there were no significant injuries so hopefully it's nothing major with him because you know he has a, a prime opportunity Nick Saban uh, really praised him after Wednesday's practice I asked about Branch just from everything um, you know I'd been hearing and you know he talked about the cornerback position and you know Brian Branch has played every position in that secondary this preseason and, and Nick Saban um you said he's he's capable of doing that but they want to find him a home and with helms being kind of sidelined by that ankle injury it, it sounds like that was a real opportunity for him and if helms is out for an extended extended period of time i think if brian branch is good to go then he's the guy there now you got to think about what happens in you know nickel and dime situations you, you probably maybe bring on a guy like daniel Wright who has starting experience play him at safety and maybe move uh brian branch down in the slot at the money position but I think for now, you know, he's that next man up at safety, and, and he's played well enough to, to deserve that.
1: Yeah, and you also heard Nick post-scrimmage really talk about how good of a camp and how good of an offseason in general that DeMarco Ellums has been having or has had. So you know, this is a guy, if he can get back healthy, I wouldn't just go ahead and write him off as sidelined by Brian Branch or someone else. And as we talked about, and as you just said there, Ryan Branch's presence in the in the sub packages with an emphasis on that money roll in the dime, you're still going to need another safety, and you know it may end up being Demarco Ellums that's right back in that base nickel dime starting roles at the safety opposite Jordan Battle when he's capable of returning. But it is very nice and knowing you've got such a versatile option. and sort of that Swiss Army knife at the secondary when you talk about Brian Branch. We're going to take a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you want to do sort of the read-along version of the podcast with us on tonight's program, the BOL Nuggets, Notes from Alabama's Second Scrimmage, would be a great way to do that. Go there right now during the break. Get into those BOL OL Nuggets. They don't come with poly sauce. all right? We don't have a dipping sauce for these nuggets, but they're good nonetheless. And we'll be back with more of the pod to talk more about Nick Saban's comments and some tidbits from Saturday's scrimmage at Bryant-Denny Stadium right after this. This episode is
0: brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast, a late Saturday night edition of the BOL Podcast. Travis Reyer alongside Charlie Potter. Charlie, we got to get to these little Billingsley comments in just a moment or so. Um, but when you, again, when, when you think about you know, this offense and where it is right now, it, it would be so beneficial if Billingsley could be more of that guy that so many people anticipated him to be. And maybe he'll be that way. But, you know, listening to Nick Saban a week or two ago when he was asked about, Jalil and sort of his situation. And he responded with what at the time felt like a message to the junior tight end today in his comments about Jalil Billingsley. That sounded more like just frustration at this point, as if the message didn't hit home, continues maybe to not hit home and also illustrates once again, regardless of who you are in this program, there is a tipping point. And so you're left to wonder, based on Nick's comments, again in relation to Jahlil Billingsley on Saturday, where we're at in all of that with uh, with Jahlil. Yeah, I mean that was y- you
0: always get a lot of information after those scrimmages, but the Billingsley comments were definitely the ones that I think caught the most people's attention. And um, you know this is this is probably the third time I think he's been asked about Billingsley. And when uh, the first one that revealed exactly or, or that he was in the doghouse was just an innocent question by, I believe, a national reporter um, after the first practice or so. Um, and, you know, he, he talked about commitment there. And then, you know, later he, he mentioned COVID protocols. And then today, um, you know, he, he starts off with, you know, it's not up to him. Uh, or it's, it's not up,
1: a democracy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's it's not up to Nick Saban. It's up to Joel Billingsley, and it's not a democracy. He said that everybody doesn't get to do what they want to do. Everybody doesn't get to do what they feel like doing. You got to buy in and, and do what you're supposed to do uh, to be a part of the team. And um, you know, I, I think. We've probably heard Nick Saban talk about this before, just, um, you know, doing uh, what everybody else does, buying in, doing the right things, doing them at the right time uh, before. But it did. I agree. It, it did sound like he was a little frustrated. And, you know, sometimes you can tell that by the, the amount of ites that are in there. And, and <laughs> he got to, you know, probably the— if you break them up into paragraphs, is a good three paragraphs, and the second one midway through is when the it started uh, slipping in. And um, if the uh,
1: it start coming, it's not all right. No, you know, usually, yeah.
0: and, and that's that's with anything. Like he he can rant about something that we say in terms of questions or how he's you know he's directing the message to the team. That's when those come out. And really, I think the the thing that um, he, he further illustrated it by talking about. Um, you know, it, you can't just save it for for game day. You know, they have scouts that uh, practice every day. I mean, when we were allowed to go watch practice, that was something I always made note of of you know teams that were represented on the practice field. And at times, it's it's tough to keep up with it. Uh, but they have representatives from the NFL, and and that's why guys come to Alabama. That's why players like Jalil Billingsley, who are talented. Come to Alabama is to get developed and to move on to the next level and, and make a, a great living. And you know those guys are there every day and they want to see what you do at practice, how you carry yourself, if you're going to be a, a valuable addition to that organization. And um, you know that was something that else that stuck out to me outside of the the line that everybody clinged onto is the um, this is not a democracy. It's the fact that you know he wants guys to be. Um, good representations of themselves their families and the organization at all times and to great value for themselves and so it'll be um i'm curious to see how this will play out because julio billingsley took part in the scrimmage i think he caught a couple passes he had a nice uh, 15 yarder uh you know going across the middle and you know catching near the sideline from paul tyson and um i think he's working with the second and third team offense but you know that he could be uh and if he's available will be a big part of this offense but you know right now um, it's just, uh, it's a very, um, you know, fascinating, intriguing thing to, to see it play out. We,
1: we talked about the quarterbacks a little bit earlier and we've talked about them on previous podcasts, but again, I think you got to credit Paul Tyson at this point. It sounds like he's done a nice job of sort of withstanding the, the storm, at least to this point from Jalen Milrow and look, Jalen Milro, if he is the number three guy, that's basically what he should be uh, at this point in his career, but, um, other positions of intrigue. We, we talk about kind of how rotations are going to play out at uh, a little more intrigue and tight end right now, I guess maybe major <laughs> Tennyson could be a beneficiary in all this. And, uh, you know, some, some other guys that are in that mix, obviously Kamala too, at the top, but seems like a, most of that is on the offensive side of the ball, uh, running back rotation. Uh, Sounds like Nick's happy with three or four guys right now. Uh, The wide receiver rotation. I I guess there are some things that we're not going to have maybe even partial answers to until we get through Miami. Yeah, and going back to Paul Tyson for a second, um, like I said,
0: I I like to ask about the quarterbacks if it's up to me uh, on the question queue. And um, I even mentioned Tyson by name, and, and Nick Saban doesn't say a lot about Paul. I don't know if that's by design or maybe he doesn't want to create any kind of quarterback controversy, which I'm not saying there is. I think it's very clear that Bryce Young is the starting quarterback you know, by everything but name. Nick Saban hasn't said he's the starter, but we, we talked to Bryce uh, earlier this week. That's a very strong indication of where things stand with that. But I think Paul Tyson's had a really good um, offseason just overall. Uh, and he had a, a decent day on, on Saturday. And, um, I think they feel good about him just in terms of where he is. And if, you know, I think if something happened to, to Bryce, I think they feel good about their number two and I agree. I think Jalen Monroe is you know firmly there at number, number three. Um, but yeah, there's, there's other positions. And I think they're primarily on the offensive side of the ball where uh, there is intrigue. Uh, I do think they do feel good about the running back position. Um, you know, Brian Robinson is a veteran guy, just like Chris Owens coming back for that super senior season going into his fifth year. Again, it sounds like Trey Sanders uh, had a good day on Saturday and um, that's great news considering everything he's been through. Jace McClellan has continued to have a good uh, preseason and offseason overall. Roy Williams as well. So um, I think they feel really good about the the running back spot, but I'll be interested to see how they choose to utilize them, just mm-hmm. like the receivers we were talking about earlier. What order is it? I think you know nobody would be surprised if number four is out there first, but is it six that comes off the bench? Is it 21 that comes off the bench first? I think, I think they're definitely going to take more of a position by committee approach there, but um, how many, in what order, how do they break it up? That's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing in the miami game and you know we've talked about the offensive lineman, but that's another one receiver and yeah tight end because they don't have a ton of scholarship tight ends um there's five on the roster um you know whenever we were looking for jaleel billingsley whenever uh, we were allowed out of practice we didn't really see caden clark and you know he's someone that's you know coming off an injury in high school and So that leaves Cam Latu and Major Tennyson and Robbie Utes and some walk ons. And, you know, that's a position group that needs to stay healthy if this Billingsley thing continues. But I think they feel good about what Cam Latu brings to the table. I think he can maybe fit more of that H role, maybe somewhat of what we've seen from uh, Miller Forrestal when they had everybody available last year. And maybe Major Tennyson fills the role of uh, a Carl Tucker. Uh, And it's more of that inline tight end. But, um, you know, beyond that, there's a lot of unproven guys, and it would be nice for them to get Billingsley back. But offensively, I I agree. Yeah, that's that's where a lot of the intrigue lies for me.
1: Yeah, I think just a few weeks ago, a lot of folks felt that this offense would be more 12 personnel based with a back and two tight ends, those tight ends being (laughs) Jalil Billingsley and Kamla, too. But after the updates on Jalil Billingsley and also on a more positive note, kind of the emergence of some guys at the wide receiver position that you thought maybe would have an opportunity to do just that. Maybe more, maybe a continuation of 11 personnel that's been so good to Alabama in the last couple of three years with this evolution of the, the offensive approach under Nick Saban and an assortment of offensive coordinators. So, when we talk about the defensive side of the ball, you and I both love to kind of monitor the situational packages, whether it has to do with the secondary. And as we talked about on the podcast tonight, with Helms out, if Branch needs to play safety, you know, how does that work with Branch maybe still going to money and the dime? Is it Daniel Wright that comes on? Uh, you would think that would be the case If Ellams comes back How does that work uh, Pass rush similar to Dime rabbits primary candidates To be on the field Not only at the linebacker level Where they have so many options But you know if it's one or two Defensive linemen who are those prime Candidates and that look especially with O'Brien Ray out um, You could really go From level to level To level defensively and uh, spend a lot of time, I guess, pondering the, the possibilities there.
0: You really could because, you know, depth at, at all three levels is uh, at a premium right now. I mean, that's really kind of been the, the talk the last week, just in terms of the interviews and everything is the depth on the defensive line. And, and that's considering guys like LeBron Ray being on the shelf. Um, you know, Braylon Ingram has been out. I think he's maybe been back at practice, but in a black uh, Jersey and, some guys have maybe not played as much in these scrimmages, guys like DJ Dale and, and Phil Mathis, but you know they still have a Boygby and Young and Tim Smith and uh, Stefan Wynn, Jamirian Latham's done some nice things. Jamil Burrow, they have all the young guys as well. So um, the depth up front on the defensive line is 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 big. Um, I, I think it was a Boye that says we can roll very deep. That was the the quote that he had, but for them. You know, they need to replace Barmore's production from a pass rushing standpoint. And maybe that guy's Tim Smith. He comes in and you know plays more. And we saw him be disruptive as a true freshman in some limited snaps last year. Maybe he takes that next step. Because, you know, when we talk about those sub packages, if they have just two defensive linemen on the field and leave uh, Allen and Anderson out there, you know, it, it's probably going to be, you know, a, a Phil Mathis and one of those younger guys or a, a boy be a young, a Tim Smith. Um, so that, you know, didn't hear just a ton about dime stuff. Um, you know, when talking about nickel, you know, the secondary is about what you would expect with the two veteran corners and Job and Armour Davis, Malachi Moore at star. And then you had battle and branch at, at safety. Um, you know, linebacker wise, it continues to be, uh, Henry Toa Toa and, and Christian Harris there at the inside linebacker positions. And we've talked about it before, and, uh, you've been kind of an advocate for it that, yeah, they can play both of those guys in those dime situations because of the, the pass rushing ability of a guy like Christian Harris. So uh, I think the what it all boils down to is they have options, especially up front, but just like the running back rotation, we won't necessarily know exactly how they'll go and what route they'll take until that Miami game on September 4th.
1: Good to hear about Jordan Battle, right? It sounds like Nick Saban, as we heard back in the, spring kind of laid down the gauntlet to battle it. It was time to take that next step and become a real visible vocal presence as a leader on the back end of that defense. And based on Nick's comments post scrimmage on Saturday, it sounds as if that has very much uh, taken place And that that gives you some comfort. If you do have an injury at that other spot at the same time, Gives you a little bit of anxiety because if Jordan Battle goes out, you know, you, you, you wonder about the direction of the, the back end. And in that scenario, I guess something that helps too is with Henry Toa Toa stepping in, apparently, is just a tremendous voice there in the middle of the defense, uh, is the transfer from Tennessee. But uh, by all accounts, Jordan Battle has stepped up to the challenge.
0: He has. Yeah. I and mean, you're right. I mean, back in the spring, it, it wasn't quite on the Joel Billingsley level, but but Nick Saban called him out in a press conference. And, um, yeah, I, I think that Jordan Battles really answered the bell. He was a captain, I believe, in the A-Day game for the Crimson team. I think it was him and Phil Mathis and, and Chris Allen. And uh, really, the defensive side of the ball needs leaders to step up because you know, last year, all four of Alabama's permanent team captains, which are voted on by the players were guys on the offensive side of the ball. Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood. Usually you have at least one representative from the defensive side of the ball. If not majority of them in in most years. Uh, So that was maybe a little telling. And um, I think it was important for this offseason for some of those guys to be able to step up and uh, take on more leadership role, you know, become more comfortable as as a vocal guy out there. And uh, it sounds like Jordan Battle's really done that, and um, you know it, it does say a lot about how they feel about that duo of Battle and Helms because you know Nick Saban mentioned Demarco multiple times <laughs> when talking about him, so they want to get him back as as quickly as possible. But you know, it, it sounds like Jordan Battle's done everything that they've asked him to do, and um, it sounds like they're really pleased with his progress, just in terms of an off the field role, uh, which is big because I think other guys can do it. Um, you know, Phil Mathis is a, a big and boisterous guy out there. I think both of the outside linebackers, you know, Chris Allen and Will Anderson are taking on more of that role. And then yeah, you're right. I mean, Henry Toa Toa has come in and really been the quarterback of that defense. And then Nick Saban said earlier this week, um, you know, his presence has allowed christian harris to play his more natural position which is the wheel uh, linebacker and if that's a responsibility he takes off of christian harris's shoulders and just allow him to run free out there and make plays that's big for this defense and so um yeah it's early to say this i might have said this before but it kind of feels like henry toa toa is taking on that landon dickerson role of coming in immediately carving out a role but also being the leader on the field and in the locker room, and that's huge for this defense. And you know, those guys—it's important for them to stay healthy because I think that defense needs it. The defense could probably be you know, what Alabama leans on early, and if they can continue to get that out of guys like Jordan Battle and others, you know, that'll be really beneficial for this team.
1: Again, if you want more specifics from Saturday scrimmage, BamaOnline.com right now has the BOL Nuggets notes from Alabama's second scrimmage of the 2021 preseason. Not going to go too in depth on those here on the podcast. We kind of outlined most of them in, in connection with Nick Saban's post-practice comments. But what we'll close with is the punting situation because it probably has been underserved in terms of how much we've talked about it or written about it or just discussed it and discussed it in general. Um, but right now, a couple of primary candidates, it sounds like, Jack Martin, a guy coming in from Troy that can do both between punting and place kicking. But maybe the Aussie, the newcomer, James Burnip, is going to prove ready to go from the outset of his time at Alabama. Charlie?
0: Yeah, it, it kind of sounds that way. And um, you know, just looking at what happened Saturday, uh, it, it sounds like, First of all, in the first scrimmage, it was Burnup, Martin, and Ty Pirine uh, handled the, the punting. And, and that's kind of to be expected. But you know, this week, it was just Burnup and Pirine, which was a little surprising, if I'm being honest, just because you bring in a guy like Jack Martin, who had a really respectable average coming from Troy, and it sounds like he just attempted field goals and, and kickoffs. And so um, you know, Burnup and Pirine were the, the primary guys there. And it sounds like Burnup had a really good day. And um, maybe he shanked one, um, you know, out of the end zone. But it sounds like they gave Piran an opportunity and and he did, you know, just the same, if not worse. And So um, consistency wise, it sounds like burnups ahead of the game there. And, you know, if if Jack Martin just comes in and handles kickoffs, we saw Alabama do that last year. Uh, Will Reichard obviously was the the field goal and an extra point kicker. He's a guy that didn't miss a kick all year. But we saw a lot of Chase Allen, the walk on. Uh, handle kickoff so maybe that's a a role that jack martin uh can have and uh i think with martin reikert and Burnup, they feel pretty good about that and um at at the end of the day you know nick saban wants to see better and more consistent production from that punter position and um you know they finally have an aussie punter it sounds like he's doing a good job and yeah, again, if, I think if they play the game tomorrow, it'd be him that trots out there first to to handle the first punt. So I'm going to go more in depth, um, you know, at the start of this upcoming week about where these position battles stand, just because I think it's a good you know, jumping off point from what we've seen so far in the preseason. But punter, yeah, I mean, it, you'll probably only mention five or so position battles and punters up there because Nick Saban's talked about it a lot, and um, you know, it's obvious with them bringing some guys in. Uh, to add to that mix, that this is something they want to figure out.
1: New quarterback, new starting quarterback, new starting corner, new faces on the offensive line in some form or fashion. Got a newcomer, perhaps, at the Mike Linebacker position, and I still think the one position where Alabama fans will hold their breath the most during the early stages of the Miami game, well, maybe two. Punter? And also, punt returner, uh, where you're breaking in a newcomer that might be like the last guy that handled it, more of a freshman back there.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think they have options. You know, Nick Sabin mentioned Slade Bolden, who's done it before, uh, and then a couple of freshmen and JoJo Earl and Ja'Cory um, Brooks. But it sounded like Earl was uh, the primary punt returner in this scrimmage. And again, you know, he's someone that's standing out at receiver. And I, I'm not likening him to Jalen Waddell. That's a guy that there's few of those just on this planet. But um, he can maybe come in and have the same the same impact. Um, you know, he's he's not stepping into an offense with you know three first round draft picks um, yet at least. And uh, I, I think that he's someone that he's gonna make an impact. But it might be punt returner where he makes the biggest impact, and um, if he can, you know, provide a consistent um, level of production there, I think that that could be a permanent home for him for the next three seasons, three or four seasons.
1: So there you go, our rendition of Saturday Night Live. Now, see, <laughs> I'm a good bit older than Charlie, so that maybe resonates. Have you watched much of the the latest sort of generations of of Saturday Night Live? Charlie, is it, that maybe more of a nostalgia thing for an old fart like myself?
0: No, see, like I, I watched a lot of the old stuff. I like going back and, and watching uh, those. I haven't seen On the Peacock. The, yeah, yeah, the new the new cast. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, um oh crap, what's her name? Uh McKinnon. Kate McKinnon <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, but she's now one of the old heads on Saturday Night Live. So uh. um, I, I don't really know the new cast that well, but you know i mean the the tina Fey's, the amy pollers uh when they were on there it was it was great so i, I would watch it then but i haven't i haven't caught it uh, too much lately i mean with anything it gets too political and so you're just guy like, out oh, whatever but um that's that's with me anything something turns political i just start to tune out and go find something else to do
1: yeah you're old enough to have caught some pretty good runs i guess of SNL. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah when
0: I was, you know, probably too young for it, um, you know, my my sisters are, are older than I am, a lot older, and so my now brother in law, uh, I listened to a lot of uh, Adam Sandler's uh, music stuff, which I don't know how many people <laughs> listen to that, but he did a lot of that on Saturday Night Live. So that was that, and Farley. That was, you know, I, I that was, I guess, where I cut my teeth on Saturday uh-huh. Night Live, and and that's the good stuff.
1: Little uh, Lazy Sunday with Andy Sandberg back in the day. Yeah. Did you catch yeah. That? yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good stuff. Only I. Was. Um, I was so spoiled, man. Uh my formative television years really were in the I hate to say this, but the late 70s, mid to late 70s and so I mean, I cut my SNL teeth with the originals like Bill Murray and Chevy Chase and all those that gang. Um, yeah, pretty spoiled, but don't watch it as much these days, unless maybe there's a musical guest that's got my interest. But sure. we'll let you get to it, Charlie. Speaking of Saturday Live, I think we're wrapping up about the time it's it's hitting the air. I don't know if it's a repeat tonight or not. But I always appreciate the time, Charlie. Always appreciate the great work with us there at BamaOnline.com. Again, B-O-L Nuggets. You've got... Specifics from Alabama's second and final Scrimmage of the 2021 preseason They're waiting for you right now there Courtesy of Charlie at BamaOnline.com Hang out with us, some good discussion Maybe even some scrimmage perspective From others on the roundtable As we move throughout the weekend It's pretty much here, folks And we're pretty much now, right? Charlie going to gear up I mean, you'll still see some Sort of late preseason work, but Gosh, you think by the end of this next week we'll start to see some scrimp, uh, some scout team numbers out there, Charlie?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that. First of all, it still feels like to me, and I guess in, in my brain that we've got about a month. <laughs> but <laughs> cut that in half, it's we're getting under the two week mark. And yeah, I think you know they they like to talk about when they start Miami stuff, and I'm sure they've done plenty of it already, but they'll really turn their full focus on Miami probably later next week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we won't be out there unless something changes, but in the photos and the videos, those will get harder to decipher because there'll be guys in in different numbers.
1: There you go. That's going to do it for the latest edition of the Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast a rating and a review while you're there would be greatly appreciated as well, For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the BOL podcast. Be sure to hang out with us at the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice. For Crimson Tide fans around the globe, do it right now at BamaOnline.com. So long, everybody. CBS
0: Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free.